Hello, I'm Liv Bolton and welcome back to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire you to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of your life. This new series of The Outdoors Fix is produced in association with outdoor footwear brand Merrill. This is the start of series six of the podcast and I can't wait to share the stories of my six guests over the next few weeks. In this series, I'll be heading outdoors with Jack Williams, Frankie Butler, Kumbi Cariwo, Elise Downing, Helen Isles and Shani Gardner from Snowdonia to the Chilterns to hear the incredible impact that the outdoors has had on their lives. They also have lots of tips for you for places to go hiking, rock climbing, wild swimming, trail running and trail wheeling and they share great advice about how to make the outdoors more of your everyday. Let's get to the first interview then. Just to warn you, this episode does cover some difficult topics, so if you are affected by any of the issues in there, there are links to help and support on the Outdoors Fix website. So let's start with Frankie Butler's story, which we recorded on a lovely, hot, sunny day in August. I'm walking alongside the Jubilee River in Berkshire near Maidenhead. It's a beautiful river. There's currently some wild swimmers in it, which is pretty awesome. It's got wildflowers and bulrushes on its banks. It's a very still day, so the water looks really, really calm and very inviting. But I'm here today to meet Frankie Butler. She lives near here and she describes herself as a wheelchair adventurer. She's absolutely inspirational in where she gets to in the outdoors with her wheelchair. She's been in a wheelchair for just over a year following an injury and I want to find out from her how the outdoors helps her, why it's so important to her now since her injury and how she's trying to inspire other people to get outdoors in wheelchairs and really reap the benefits. So I'm just going to go meet Frankie now but I'm very jealous of those wild swimmers and I really wish that I'd brought my swimming kit today. It looks gorgeous. Frankie, hello. Welcome to the Outdoors Books. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Um, can you describe to listeners where we're sat right now? Because it's stunning here. It's, uh, this is one of the coolest spots I've recorded podcasting. <laughs> well, it's very nice of you to say. So we're actually sat on the bank of the Jubilee River, which is along a trail called the Jubilee Way. And we're surrounded by reeds and we can see little swans and lovely bits of wildlife around us. And we're on a boardwalk, so we're kind of out onto the river and it's so peaceful here. Yeah, because I feel like I'm actually sitting on the river where <laughs> yeah. we are, which is awesome. And there's paddle boarders and canoeists and there's a swan over there with lots of cygnets. And wild swimmers too. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a lovely place and it's actually only about an hour from where I live too. So it's a, a great new spot to find and I'm definitely going to come here and, and go wild swimming at some point. <laughs> um, so this is obviously a very special place for you. How often do you come here? So I, I like to come sort of every, at least every few weeks with my family. Um, my parents go on their bike and I wheel on my wheelchair alongside them. Um, and it's really special to me because I, you know, started trail wheeling here, which has been so much fun. And I also did my half marathon along here and it, it's just amazing. And I've seen it through all different seasons and 
every season it's just as beautiful as it as it the last so I yeah. love it here and for listeners who maybe don't know but tell them what trail wheeling is so trail wheeling is getting out on your wheelchair whether it's a powered or a manual and I use a manual so self-propelled and it's getting out on the trails and, and enjoying being outdoors and you can be going out for a hard fast trail wheel or you can go for a more like a walk pace and it's just about getting outside and, and being in in amongst nature and solitude and it's just like trail running or hiking uh, but you're on a wheels how often do you get to do trail wheeling and maybe it's not here but how often so I live um, in a town called Marlow and I'm very lucky to be surrounded by some beautiful woodland in the Chiltern Hills and I like to go there almost every day even just to the entrance of the woods just to be surrounded um, by you know, the sounds of nature and the greenery but I go out for my my trail wheels pretty much at least every weekend like a proper one I, I just I need it or I go mad so <laughs> yeah and I really want to pick up on how how the outdoors helps you later on but you've been using a wheelchair now for just over a year mm-hmm. Can you tell me about what life was like before that? Were you quite outdoorsy? I mean, you you lived in Scotland and you played a lot of hockey. Yes, so um, I've been playing hockey since I was six years old. Um, I've always been been quite good. Um, And I progressed to playing for um, England. And I represented England uh, under 16, under 17. And then I moved up to Scotland for university in Aberdeen. And I played for three teams up there indoor and outdoor hockey and I was trialling for Scotland at the time just before my injury. I also was a sprinter, so quite a competitive one, doing 200 metres at Bucks Championships and things, uh, which is the university uh, championships and that was so much fun and also an awful lot of hiking um, because I'm very lucky to be right near the Cairngorms and Aberdeen and along the coastline and studying geology, which is in itself is about being outdoors and and enjoying that. yeah, and I, I, I was always incredibly outdoorsy beforehand and very um, sporty, like training 27 hours a week. Like, I did a lot of weightlifting as well, like Olympic lifts and things. Life was quite busy and energetic beforehand and the outdoors has always been a really special place for me. So, so tell us what happened then. You were a hugely high-performing athlete. How did you come to have this ankle injury? I just went on the pitch for a routine hockey game, actually my last game before my trial for Scotland. Uh, so it was kind of a big one, my last like preparation. I got on the pitch and as normal, going 100 miles an hour, I was a, a very fast hockey player. That was what I was kind of renowned for. And unfortunately, someone couldn't catch me and they tried to tackle and just a, a mistake. It wasn't malicious and they just tapped my foot inwards uh, mid-stride. So what happened was I ended up placing my the base of my leg bone on the floor with my ankle inverted, <sighs> rather than standing on the sole of my foot, if you can imagine that, just twisting your ankle inwards. Um, and I just heard this like pop and th- this searing electrical pain just fired up my leg and I fell to the floor and I made this like almost like a whale sound, like just a sound I don't think had ever come out of me before. And I was down on the floor and my gum shield fell out. And that, this kind of sounds a bit silly, but 
it felt kind of symbolic because that gum shield was my England hockey gum shield it had my name on my number and, and the flag and it was on the floor and I kind of felt at, at that moment like I was looking at the gum shield when I was lying on the floor like is this is this all over I'd never had a lower leg injury of that pain before so I was really terrified and I actually had to be carried off the pitch I couldn't get up I was told by the uh, the first aid official there was nothing wrong with me um, even though I couldn't walk and I was in so much pain and I went to A&E that evening and again told nothing was wrong with me wasn't given crutches or painkillers even though I couldn't walk and I lived up three flights of stairs and two miles from uni um, so I had to walk to uni every day dragging my foot behind me literally dragging it um, taking so long to cross the road that cars would honk their horns at me and and five weeks went by and then I saw a specialist and she uh, had been an ankle specialist for 25 years and she had never seen so much damage to a ligament before and what had happened was I'd torn all the outer ligaments on my left ankle so my outer uh, the outside of my ankle was only held together by the skin um, so it was like flopping all the time and I was in so much pain I couldn't have shoes on couldn't have my blanket on none of that and I was scheduled for immediate reconstructive surgery a few weeks later I had the reconstructive surgery where they put six ceramic pins in and a fake ligament and sewed it all together and said I'd be back playing hockey in three months and I believed I believed that um, but following the surgery then the morning after I was in agony, I was in so much pain and I wasn't meant to be in pain because I was given a nerve block which is meant to stop the pain signals reaching your brain and it, it didn't work for whatever reason. I was terrified, I didn't know what to do and I had I spoke to the doctors and I was kept in for another night and had more um, <laughs> and had um, given more painkillers and as an athlete you don't really take painkillers so that was another lifestyle change. I left the hospital um, as scheduled the next day. My mum was driving me from Aberdeen to Edinburgh um, and I stopped being able to breathe. Uh, I was in so much pain like I couldn't breathe wow. and my lips went blue, my face went pale. I ended up in A&E and I was in A&E for something like seven days. I lost 10 kilograms because uh, I couldn't take on any food. I was throwing up all the time. My body was having a huge reaction to the pain there was no infection in my leg and there was nothing like outwardly sinister um so all the doctors were really baffled and i was on morphine like really heavy drugs and that should stop the pain it just didn't um so again you know they didn't know what to do and I was just terrified. I was in a I was in a ward. They didn't know which ward to put me in and I was in a ward next to people that were dying. And when you're there you feel like am I am I dying? And I was so scared, like I couldn't I, I don't think I can describe like the, the trauma from that event. This was meant to be a routine operation, it was meant to be in and out and recovering and it didn't quite go that way but eventually the pain levels slightly got under control. I was still in agony, but I was given a lot more medication. Um, I went, ended up going back home, so all the way back down to England, so quite a long drive. Um, 
and then a couple of months later I was told to start physiotherapy and they started by massaging me directly where the op operating site was on my ankle and I threw up on the table in the on the physio uh, bed um, which I don't think has ever happened in the, in the, the physiotherapy unit there but I the pain levels were like so severe that you you're unable to see you're you're unable to eat your your body just has such a strong reaction to it so that's not meant to happen at physiotherapy yeah. so I went back to see the surgeon the surgeon didn't didn't want to say I had a very rare condition called complex regional pain syndrome because that's it's also known as a suicide disease so it's a little bit of a, a hard one for any young person, let alone anyone to take, especially someone that was at the start of their sports career. Um, so my dad, he's an orthopedic vet, and he said, look, I think this is CRPS. And eventually the, the doctor agreed and referred me to a pain specialist, but it took quite a lot of pressure from my dad um, and I'm so, so, so grateful that he's so medically minded because I don't believe we would have reached that conclusion as quickly as, as we did. And there's a lot of people out there that wait years and years and years for that to be diagnosed. I am so unbelievably lucky and I'm, I'm aware of that. So I ended up seeing a pain specialist, took one look at my leg and was like, yeah, you've got CRPS. Now CRPS is a complex regional pain syndrome. And it is very complex. Essentially, it's a maladaptive response of the nervous system. And my nervous system is constantly replaying the pain from the operation and the accident. And it interprets any normal stimuli like pressure, temperature, all of those things as pain. So my foot right now is on a, a very soft pillow and it's interpreting that pillow pressure as pain. And that's sending a signal all the way up to my brain, but my brain is unable to decipher that that stimuli is pressure and just says, nope, that's pain. And that's really difficult to unravel. Um, it's neuroplasticity and, and all, all that. Mm. So as pain specialist said I had that, I was very much hoping he would say I had something else uh, because there's so little known about CRPS nowadays. And this uh, doctor prescribed me on some very heavy medications which sort of, I felt like a zombie on. I was on um, a lot of Oxycontin. Gosh, um, wow. it's a very addictive. Horrible yeah. medication, uh, twice the strength of morphine. I was on antidepressants, uh, was on all sorts, because my, my mental health was really bad, because I was meant to be, you know, playing hockey, and I was meant to be having a great summer with my friends. It was after second year at university, you know, things only start to get really tough the next year in Scotland anyway and instead I was lying in bed in agony and our house was having building work at the time and I couldn't deal with the sounds the drill sounds would elicit pain like my body was so hypersensitive to anything like normal sounds were had a saliency so they were dangerous to me um, and it literally caused pain wow. and I can hear my pain, which sounds bizarre. I can hear it when it starts building up. My body has basically recruited every sense, 
every sensory thing I have to tr it's trying its best to protect me but it, instead it's actually making everything worse I, I'm sorry this probably sounds so complicated it, it is such a complicated condition it it recruits everything in your body but devastating for you and, and a, a huge trauma a huge trauma um, I'm yeah I'm having to go through quite a lot of therapy uh, which I'm happy to talk about because I think people people need to know it's okay to not be okay and I'm definitely wasn't okay um, I was suicidal um, I didn't want to live with this I wanted to disappear I just wanted to be like encompassed by the void of that you know, lying lying in bed and all you can hear is the pain, all you can feel is the pain, all you can smell is the pain. I mean, that's not really a life. I also felt I didn't want it to get me. I didn't want it to beat me. I want to beat CRPS. And to be honest, the online community, when I was in bed all of summer, pretty much 2019, helped me so much seeing pictures of people hiking and, and videos like um, James Michael Forrest I think at that time he was doing his island hikes and watching that really helped me because I would like pretend I was like close my eyes and pretend I was there and I was walking and I was surrounded by nature and I you know he talks to the camera a lot and you know felt a bit like I had a friend and it sounds a bit sad but it's true and like like Nick on online and Nick Hardy, yeah. Yeah, and Bryony and, and all these amazing outdoors people and um, Amira, the Wanderlust. Yes. I love her stuff. She yeah. really, really helped me when I was feeling down and she won't know that because yeah. I was watching from afar. But yeah, I, and I, at that point I was determined, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat CRPS and I'm going to get outside and enjoy it. And I was on my crutches uh, at that point. So that's exactly what I started doing. I started going out for crutches and hiking and I um, met my boyfriend, Patrick. I've been friends with him at uni for some time, but I went up to Edinburgh um, the, that summer, which was a really, really big deal. Leaving, my mum came with me, but being out just for an hour with someone that I don't know too well, that was a hugely difficult thing and I crutched about with him around the Botanic Gardens in Edinburgh and it was amazing and he made me feel so normal and being outdoors and sharing that with someone, you know, that was a, almost the catalyst. It was so important. Um, that summer is really a blur in my mind, like I can't isolate moments, but that's certainly one. That and lying in bed looking at those wow. videos and images, trying to escape what I was dealing with and yeah I'm just I'm so glad there are people out there that love that and that publish it online and I'm really glad I have friends and a boyfriend I can share the outdoors with. So the that's amazing to hear that obviously that looking at the outdoors was helping you in some way and then you were able to go out slightly in with your crutches but how did you decide to move into a wheelchair and then start adventuring in the wheelchair, <laughs> in the outdoors. I ended up having to go in a wheelchair because I could no longer crutch about because the pain, the vibrations from crutching was too much for my left leg, even though it was 
kind of bent up behind me. I don't know if that, you know what I mean? Like mm. One leg straight and one kind of bent behind. Yeah. And just the pressure, like the blood going down to the base of my leg was too painful. So I ended up moving to a chair. Um, and I was actually, the first time I was on a, a wheelchair was in Drumna Drocket on the uh, coast of uh, Loch Ness. Um, and I, Patrick was pushing me in it because I had never been in one and we were looking at Urquhart Castle and I had so much freedom. I wasn't, I was able to have my own backpack on. Mm -hmm. I was able to, you know, if, if I wanted to go and have a look at something, I could go and have a look at it. I didn't have to have Patrick right there with me in case I fell or my family with me in case I fell. You know, I felt, I felt really, really free. So lockdown happened right after that, which in a way actually, for me, some positives came out of that. I went back home, got to spend some really, really quality time with my family and they have been unbelievably supportive. My parents and my brothers have been through so much watching their sister and their daughter going through such a hard time and they themselves have their own things going on in their life and I can't thank them enough for their support and I'm just so grateful for their unconditional support and understanding and they're all learning the same as me about CRPS, like it's such an unknown. But so I was on my wheelchair then, we ordered an adventure wheelchair. Oh um, yes. Not one that's fitted to your body, just one online, you know, a pre-made pre one. But I was so excited, it had like mountain bike wheels and I was, oh, it was so cool. And I started training around my block, which is only 300 meters and Oh my God, that was so hard. I had the weediest, sinuous, teeny weeny arms in the whole world. I still had one big right leg. So I was still very much, you know, a lower body athlete. Um, so that was a learning curve. So going around the block was really quite hard. Um, but I thought again, right, lockdown's here. I'm going to make use of the time. And I went out every single day, twice a day. My dad took me to the park. We went around the park loads and did laps of it got to see the dog walkers, got to chat to people and went along the, the towpath. We have got a beautiful towpath in Marlow. Um, again, I am so lucky to live in Marlow and have the access to the outdoors and have a garden. I know that people didn't have that in lockdown, so I'm aware <laughs> just how lucky I am. But um, yeah, I was I was training, well, training in <laughs> apostrophes really. Um, I was pushing um, myself and trying to get myself stronger and I ended up being able to do five miles which was a huge milestone during lockdown um, and I thought I want to I want to go further so I finally uh, got fitted to a proper wheelchair and uh, some people might not know but they're incredibly expensive things they're a real investment I've got an active wheelchair which is a very light one which is uh, means I can basically crash about and go over all sorts of in exciting terrain but it costs five grand. Wow. And the only way I could afford that is because I was on a sports scholarship and I had money from the university still from when I was playing hockey. And I asked them and they were incredibly happy to help. And they, you know, I funded part of the chair and my family very kindly funded another part. With the yeah. chair then, how is that wheelchair, how did it enable you to get out and do these, you know, do the trails? What about it? Um, makes that able to happen? So um, the wheelchair I have is very light, so I can push myself quite easily along difficult terrain rather than a heavy one when you're really like trying to shove mm. yourself. 
and I can change the wheels to mountain bike wheels and I also have a, an attachment called a third wheel or front wheel which clips on the front and lifts up the little front wheels, the casters, um, so I can go over bumps and things. And this chair, it, I can go wherever I want pretty much and I don't have to have anyone helping me. I can get out on towpaths and just push and push and just get into that flow state you get into when you're hiking or running or doing any activity that you love like paddle boarding or kayaking or swimming and you know without this wheelchair if I was just on my crutches I couldn't go very far um, I could probably go 50 meters yeah. whereas on my wheelchair I can go and do a half marathon and I'm currently training for a marathon and I did a half marathon on the Jubilee Way and it's just people not everyone but some people see a wheelchair as a step backwards for me it's a step forwards because it it, it helps reduce the pain because I'm not you know having to go through such difficult motions on a wheel on a crutches um it gives me freedom and independence I can carry my own bag which might not seem like a big thing but it is when you have have a lot of help I can just go wherever I want it's like going on a bike it's amazing and it's not being on a wheelchair is freeing and a lot of people that are on chairs don't see it as something that holds them back. Um, I see it as something that propels me forwards in a literal and a metaphorical sense. In lockdown then you were obviously building up and doing more than five miles and building up to this half marathon which is incredible. <laughs> that is you know a huge distance. Look at that geese again. Yeah. They're, amazing. They're, so, they're flying low over the water it's beautiful. <laughs> So just tell me though, how does the outdoors help you then? You, you, you've kind of referenced it, but what is it about the outdoors that really helps you and, and really helps your mental health? When I go outside, I get to just be me on a chair and no one's asking me any questions. No one's questioning whether I should be there or not because we all are allowed to be in the outdoors. and. I know that's a slightly different thing, but I just find, you know, being surrounded by the green or in the winter by, you know, the brown branches, like everything is constantly moving, constantly changing, things are happening and stuff that it just feels hopeful. You feel like you're outside, like people are getting on with things, animals are getting on with their lives and you just feel so happy that stuff is happening I don't know if that makes it as a bit of a garbled mess there but um, I also find that I feel like a sense of solitude when I'm outside and all the thoughts and stresses that whiz around my head every single day quieten down and I just feel when I'm outside all of that just sort of fades to the back of my mind and I'm just here and I'm present and I'm mindful and I'm enjoying the outdoors and with my um, the pain that I feel 24-7. Pushing myself outdoors and exercising outdoors releases endorphins, which has a hypoanalgesic effect, so a pain-reducing effect. And that helps my mental health so much and my physical health. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast share, share this notion, but when you're outside, like you're totally freed from the stresses of modern life. You don't have to have any responsibility. Your responsibility when you're outside is to leave it the way you found it. That's it. That's all you have to do. You just get to be whatever you want to be and think about whatever you want to think when you're outside. And it's just, 
I almost can't put it into words just how happy it makes me. I mean, you can see my face, I'm smiling when I'm looking around. It just, oh, it just helps me so, so much. <laughs> it's wonderful that it's become a, an escape for you and has helped you so much. And, and you're training for a marathon, which <laughs> is absolutely incredible, the London Marathon next year. And you also do run club. So yes. yeah, tell me about your training and everything now, <laughs> tell me. Well, so I train every single, um, almost every single day. I have, you know, always have, a, have at least a rest day. And my training can range from a really relaxed wheel, like a one miler or um, all the way up to like an eight mile on the weekend. Um, and I just love it so, so much. And I actually joined recently a run club uh, called Pure Sport run club in uh, Battersea in London and they've been so welcoming and I have missed that sense of community so so much and they're all about like wellness like they understand that you know to have a meaningful and, and happy life it's a multifaceted um, approach like you've got to have um, a sound mind you've got to have sound body and you've got to have like building blocks in place like outdoors and training and friendships and community and good nutrition the whole the whole lot and and they've just been incredibly helpful don't I don't feel any different when I'm out there training with them they're all runners I'm the only person on a chair there at the moment uh, but I hope to see many more um, but they are just fantastic and I look forward to my Wednesday evenings all the time and I just I just love it there and I feel I'm part of a club again because I loved athletics it that was where I got into my flow state running around a track and just forgetting all my worries and once again I get this and Battersea Park is beautiful it's got beautiful greenery and there's little squirrels that are running around and I just love it I love looking at that I love uh, this sounds a bit silly but I like imagining what the squirrels are up to and, and animals and things like that and even when I'm wheeling along you know and again that's training and being outside um, I'm so I'm training for the London Marathon in April 2022 and I live up some very large hills um, in the Chilterns and I do a lot of hill sprints so that involves going to the bottom of the hill and going up the hill oh. several times <laughs> um, and I also attend the gym in Marlow called the Marlow Club and they've again have been so welcoming and so helpful um, and I do a lot of upper body weights and ab work um, just to help, you know, with the uh, resilience of my arms because um, they're going through a lot every single day and I don't want to get any injuries. Um, I also have help from a, like a running coach um, who is very kindly adapting uh, the programme for me on a wheelchair. It's a company called The Run Buddy and they've been amazing. I met them through Run Club. Um, I've just made so many lovely connections with some great people and uh, I just get to train with them and I get to join in and uh, I'm not left out and that is so important because I've been left out of so many things you know I can't get into so many buildings and gyms and all sorts you know steps and all of that whereas this is free I get to go around a park I get to train and every single day I get out and train on my wheelchair I am so grateful for the fact I've got a wheelchair I'm so grateful that I am strong I'm so grateful I live in a place where people are accepting of people like me on wheelchairs and don't make a big deal about it. And I'm so grateful for the hills I live on because they have been invaluable for training. <laughs> Just when lock during lockdown, you couldn't go to the gym. So the hills were my gym. <laughs>
What's fantastic, Frankie, is that you are really trying to inspire other people who use a wheelchair to go out and do trail wheeling like you. And you're hoping to build a resource of routes that people can use. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yes, so a bit like um, Debbie North, um, who's an amazing uh, ambassador for access to the outdoors, I'd like to, to further that too, and I'd like other wheelchair users to enjoy it. So it doesn't matter if you're in a power wheelchair, whether you're being pushed, whether you're pushing yourself, it doesn't matter what your disability is or what chair you have. I'd like to compile a resource of um, wheelchair routes from easy to medium to more challenging, because I think that there's you know, there's that range of, of ability and there's that range of desire to, to go out in search of that feeling of adventure. Um, often when you look online or you go to an information centre and you ask for the accessible routes, they're a mile long or they're just round a park. Whereas why should the outdoors, you know, and the trails just be for people that walk? I don't think it should be. I think it's for everyone. And I think everyone would agree that I've spoken to and um, it's amazing there's been a, a lot of my friends and my family like whenever they go out for a walk they check out whether there's a style what the terrain is like how wide it is and all of that and let me know so I then go and check it out myself I've done a lot of trips up to Scotland um, it's where I tend to go on my holidays it's one of my favorite places in the world and I go to the Northwest Highlands and check out Swalvern and Canisp and all these amazing uh, hills and normally the walk-ins are fantastic for wheelchair users and my aim is to have a website with all of these routes on there you know I, I want to go to every county in the UK and check all out the different routes and I just want other wheelchair users to enjoy the sense of solitude the adventure and the feeling of exploration that you get when you're out on a trail that's not you know necessarily super marked out like a like a park. So if you look back on the journey that you've been in since your injury, how would you sum up the impact of the outdoors on you? I don't think I'd be here today if I didn't have the outdoors. And that's, that's being truly honest. Um, the outdoors is so, so important. And I have to get outside every day, no matter whether it's pissing with rain or it's beautiful baking hot sunshine I am like a dog that needs to be walked <laughs> I I need it and without that without that freedom just without the f the amazing variety of nature without without that I I don't think I'd I really don't think I'd be here today when you're in so much pain, your life can become so monotonous. You do the same thing every day, you take the same medication, you're only able to do certain stuff, you feel sick all day from the pain, you can't wear certain clothes, all of that. And when I'm outside, I'm just me. I'm not Frankie with CRPS, I'm not Frankie the ex-hockey player. I'm just me and I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it just as everyone else and I get to share that experience because I, I do feel I'm isolated from so many things I used to be a part of but the one thing I'm not isolated from is the outdoors. It's been here for me ever since I could walk <laughs> when I was little and I very much hope it will be here for me in the future and it's just such an important part of my recovery and it will be ongoing because 
this recovery process has been two and a half years already and it's looking like it's going to be you know a very very long time and I'm I very much hope one day I'll be able to walk again I might not um, but I know I have the outdoors to enjoy and I know that I'm capable of so much on my wheelchair and I've been able to challenge myself on the out in the outdoors. I go on difficult trails that are made for me by nature. And as a geologist, that's extremely exciting. Um, and yeah, I need the challenges. That's a very long answer to the question, but genuinely like, I don't think I'd be here today without it. Frankie, who are the three people who have inspired your outdoors adventures? So I'll, I'll group the first um, together, my, my grandparents. So they get out every single day for a walk uh, and they live up in Edinburgh. And uh, my grandpa tries to do 10K a day and my grandma also goes along Brilliant. too when she can. And they love the outdoors and my, my grandpa's so passionate about finding trails and he's been finding trails for me. Oh which is so kind and he always loves recommending outdoor gear and he's like check out my sneakers and stuff and <laughs> he's he's fantastic and i think as a family we all share that love for the outdoors and um yeah i think he's deaf my grandparents are definitely up there for an inspiring me in the outdoors and coming with me on my my wheels and it's funny they get nervous like oh do you need a hand or are you can don't tip out they need classic grandparents and then at the end end of the uh the wheel they'll be like oh eat loads of cake here's all the food and Brilliant. just have the best conversations with them and uh they mean so much to me so thank you very much grandma and grandpa <laughs> <laughs> how about your second person um i think my second person well i'd, I'd have to say JMF and Nick has Hardy, isn't it? Yes, so James Michael Forrest um, on Instagram and adventurer.nick on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I Nick don't Hardy. really know her last name, I just know yeah. her as Nick. <laughs> but she's amazing, both of them are amazing. And I actually, it's kind of funny, when I was on my crutches on my field trip to Sky, I saw them in the bar in Sky and I was too nervous to say hi to them. I was so overwhelmed, I was like, oh my God, these two people are like the oh. most inspiring people ever because I, watched their videos when I was feeling, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, when I was bed, basically bed bound. Um, and that helped me so much. And I've been talking to them on Instagram and I, I would say they're my pals now and it's amazing. And I'm hoping I get to catch up with them sometime, but I love their attitude about the outdoors and um, it's incredible. I get exhausted watching what they're all doing though, all those crazy hikes, but they really are, inspiring inspiring people they are really really lovely people as well yeah. great to follow on instagram definitely yes <laughs> um, and how about your third person dr ian stewart he's a volcanologist and i want to be a volcanologist when i'm older <laughs> i'm only i'm 23 but i should be completing i should have completed my degree already uh, but because of my injury i've i'm having a year out um, but he's a volcanologist and I always saw him on the TV and he's um, hiking up these volcanoes and he's from Scotland but he is a lecturer, a professor at, um, at 
Plymouth University. And he's just amazing. You know, I love volcanoes. He loves volcanoes. He talks about them and he's outside. And yeah, he's another person that inspires adventures. <laughs> Frankie tips then. So in terms of people who might be interested in getting an adventure wheelchair, where should they look or, or what kind of brands would you recommend? So it's a bit tricky with um, uh, wheelchairs. So normally the process is you go through the NHS and then you go to a wheelchair fitting service and you get a standard wheelchair for wheeling about near the house and things. Um, but a lot of these have quick release wheels. So you can unclip these wheels and put on different ones. And Planet X and Spinergy um, make some great mountain bike wheels. You don't always need them. You can go on just your normal marathon tires. Uh, these are, these, sorry, the, for anyone that doesn't know, um, normal wheelchair tires are often called marathon tires right. because they can go for a long time and they don't get punctures. Mm -hmm. um, and you can go on a lot of trails on them, which I'm actually on today for this trail. But if you're on a more adventurous and muddy trail, uh, mountain bike tires are great. And if you wanted to have a completely different wheelchair, but it's not one that's fitted to you, you can get one called a G Explorer on any website pretty much. And that's an, that was my first wheelchair ever. That took me on so many adventures and that was part of my half marathon training was done on that. Um, and I actually have written a blog for Salomon, which I think maybe we'll link or something yes, yeah. um, with a lot more tips and tricks about trail wheeling like equipment that's useful and things that are essential and things that are maybe extra and a bit more information about what it actually is um, but I'd be very happy to chat to anyone that's interested in trail wheeling um, if they just drop me a message on Instagram really good tips that's really useful what are your favorite routes that you've done that you would recommend to other people so if you're in Edinburgh in Scotland there's a beautiful wheel along on, it's actually on, um, partly on tarmac and partly on a bit of gravel, but it's through the Pentlands, which are some beautiful hills um, up in, uh, just outside of Edinburgh, only literally 10 minutes outside. And you can go for as long or as a short wheel as you'd like. And if you don't want to do the hill, you can actually drive in a little bit further and start uh, later on. Um, but it's a long, there's a reservoir there so you get to see wildlife and there's a lot of sheep on the hills and ducklings and ducks in the and the rivers that's that is a route i would 100 percent recommend and uh, again i will i will happily write these up for people and that are interested um another lovely one is if you're in the northwest highlands i know that's quite far for some people but there's one you wheel from Loch Inver to Swullivan, which is the, the walk-in uh, to the Canis Lodge and back, and that is spectacular. I mean, that's one I close my eyes when I go to sleep, I like to think about, because it's just so, it's, the colors were so vibrant, like the, the gorse bushes and, the, oh, it's just amazing. You see the hills and as a geologist, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and other beautiful, wheels I've done that are not as large um, are just round like Arthur's Seat in Edinburgh or in uh, London around Battersea Park and Richmond Park you can go on the trails there mm. and you know trail wheeling is a mixture 
sometimes of being on tarmac and being on gravel and being on boardwalks like we are right now and trail wheeling can literally start and I trained by going on grass I just went on grass to get used to some of the resistance so you can be a trail wheeler just go across a field and back that's a bit of a taster wherever you are find a towpath a local towpath and just have a go and it doesn't matter if you need to be pushed it doesn't matter if you're on a power chair you are still a trail wheeler Frankie, thank you so much for telling me about the last few years because it sounds like it's been incredibly difficult and thank you so much for sharing with me that side of it. But amazingly inspirational what you're doing now and thank using you. the outdoors and, and really I think this will help so many other people and get them out there. So well done. I mean, I, I, the courage to do that and to have done, you know, to go through what you've been through. Thank it's you. Huge. I mean, I, I feel I don't want this suffering to be for no reason. I mean, I'm doing the London Marathon in April to raise money for CRPS charities so people can have a lovely wheelchair to go on these trail wheels. They can have access to the treatment that they need. And I just want to share the outdoors with, other, with people and I want to see more people on wheelchairs, crutches, all of it out there enjoying it. And um, yeah, I'm, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been lovely to chat to you and I'm so grateful I got to share my story and thank you so much for listening and thanks to everyone listening to this podcast and I hope to chat to some of you on Instagram. It'd be great to, to meet some more people interested in the outdoors. And the lovely thing now is that I get to continue my walking and wheeling <laughs> with you and we're going to continue walking on this river and uh, and then head back towards our car but it's it's been a really really lovely time with you so thank you thank you very much <laughs> thank you for listening to frankie's episode you can see photos of our recording and frankie's adventures on the outdoors fix website or on instagram at the outdoors fix you'll also find frankie on instagram at underscore frankie underscore butler if you want to make the outdoors a bigger part of your life, why not get inspired by some of my other guests too? People like Rena Yassine, who is an outdoors instructor in the Peak District. Just have a browse through the dozens of other episodes of The Outdoors Fix. And if you like the podcast, it would be brilliant if you could rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, and if you could tell your friends and family about it to help spread the word. Regular listeners of The Outdoors Fix will know that I end each episode with some sounds of nature. So now it's that time to take a short moment to relax and listen to the sound of sparrows nesting under the eaves of a friend's house in Devon. I hope you enjoy it. This episode of The Outdoors Fix was supported by outdoor footwear brand Merrill. 
Merrill is launching a year-long campaign called Hashtag Step Further to encourage people from all walks of life to get outdoors on a micro-adventure to experience the benefits for both their physical and mental health.